Content warning. This episode contains graphic descriptions of sexual violence, including sexual violence against minors. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, Josie. Oh, it's working. It's working. Hello. It's a non-corrupted SD card. I feel like I'm going to be max mouth noises because of the Oreo. We've been eating Oreos because they were a dollar. It was a dollar for a whole packet, which I just think is almost illegal. That's wrong. It's, it's too tempting. It's not legal to do that to people and put it right <laughs> near the cashier. Yeah. So like you I wouldn't just have grab it. You just grab it because they were there. Don't do that. It's fine. You did buy them. And then I went to retrieve them. I'm so susceptible to supermarket And it was open and (laughs) several were missing. Oh, my God. And I started and then I couldn't stop. I had like four in a row. Because this is – okay, here's the thing. If I have a tea – You need a little – Well, no, this – yes, I need a little thing. Mm. But then I start eating the little thing – and then I need 10 little things to make yeah. it feel satisfying. Like I yeah, can't just have can't like, stop. if I'm not having a tea, I can have like one Tim Tam mm. and that's fine. And it's satisfying sort of. Mm. But if I'm having a tea, it's like, well, no, that was too good. Yeah. I need five. And if I'm doing Tim Tam slams, I need like <laughs> 20. Like I need the whole packet. And then it becomes a meal of Tim Tam. This is what I mean. Like it's not, I, I'm not a controlled yeah. person with a beverage and a snack. You open the floodgates. Yeah. It's like when you go to like Italy or whatever and you get the aperitifs. Yeah, it's like aperitif hour. Italy. Well, it's just like they do it here too. It's just like, you know, like little snacks to go yes. with your, you know, Aperol spritz oh. or your yep. wine or whatever. They're not like you're meant to eat them slowly and sip the wine, but I'll just like <laughs> inhale the, the like little like olive The waitress turns platter. around and it's already gone. Yeah. And I'm like, can I have some more please? <laughs> anyway, so that was me with the Oreos. Well, they're very delicious. Thanks for donating them to the cause they're delicious um do you know it was free mcdonald's on the weekend i did not know that um i it was after midnight what only and it was like some kind of promo with watching the cricket i thought that was just the burger thing no they were doing free mcdonald's on uber eats how did i miss this well because i was asleep and you're away as well and i was gonna message you that i'm like a you're probably asleep because this was like, it was like 20 past 11 when I saw it. And I yeah. saw it on Facebook. Someone had put it in that advice group that I'm in, that oh, yeah. weird group. It's a strange thing to advise people on. Yeah, they okay. were just like, someone had written, hey girls, not sure if you've all seen. Maybe <laughs> here it is. <laughs> Important information. Yeah, that's is the kind hand. of life advice that I'm after. Oh, if I could be in a group that was like, how to get free McDonald's <laughs> always done. Maybe we should joined. start that group and encourage people to tell us because we don't know. The endless quest. Yeah, the endless quest to why do we and there's no need for us to have it's five dollars for a burger as we've said many times. It's not that bad. It's just I don't know. It's like the principle of the matter. Mm. We just want free McDonald's. It's definitely the principle. And we've had free McDonald's. That's the thing. I get way better free things than free McDonald's, (laughs) and somehow we've just fixated (laughs) Fixated ourselves. Well, no, I've moved on to KFC because McDonald's. I haven't seen. Anything from them. No. So now I'm reaching out sort of subconsciously mm. slash through this podcast to KFC yes. hoping for some chips because I love the KFC chips. Oh, they're the best chips They're in the, the best world. chips in the world. The best. When they're good. 
when they're good. When they're bad, they're like too over chicken salty or potato. too undercooked. Yeah. yeah, those like sad floppy ones yeah. that are like sort of flaccid chip. Yeah, no, don't no. like that. But when they're like peak chip, there's mm. nothing better than KFC chips. There isn't. Well, you know, this is a good test to see if our colleague Courtney listens to the podcast because she has a friend that works at like head office at KFC. Oh, interesting. So remember we got all those nuggets last year? Yes. Just hundreds of nuggets. Just so many. That was too from many him. Nuggets. The friend of hers okay. that well, works. Well, friend of Courtney slash yeah. Courtney, yeah. this is your time this to shine. This is a test. It's your if time. you're listening, <laughs> email your friend and get us free your chips. absolute time. Um. I also wanted to bring up on the mm. weekend I started watching Killing Eve. Oh, I mean, I've meant to watch this for so long. It's really good. It's really good? Yeah. Okay. I think you'll really like it. What's the vibe? Um, it's like a spy kind of show but like a dark comedy. Mm. Like it's quite funny. Okay. And it's British. So spy, dark comedy, British. Yeah. Okay. Yep. None of that sounds like anything I want to watch but all right, I'll do it anyway. I just think – do you like Sandra Oh? No, none oh, of these things are lining okay, up. Maybe like you British like it shows, then. not really into them. Sorry, not just not of mood unless they're right. period. Well, she's American, like in Pride it. and Prejudice shit. Okay, um, Sandra O, oh, take her or leave her. Um, she was fine. Like I quite enjoyed her in Grey's Anatomy, but I also just found her like too intense for me. Yeah, she was quite intense. Um, spy things. You don't like spies? Yeah, I do because I like the Americans. Oh yeah, but British spies, not really. And yep. dark comedy. You've lost me. Really? I'm gone. Yeah. Anyway, I'm I liked gone. it. I want to. But watch. it's very Sandra O. Oh, like she's the main character. Is so. she just the one in Grey's Anatomy, but in a British show? Uh, she works at a spy agency, and they're basically the gist of the show is there's this female assassin that's operating that they just kind of figure out that she's a thing. Yeah. She's not on their books or anything. They haven't figured her out and then they notice a string of assassinations that are done by a woman and she is great her name's Villanelle Mm -hmm. that's like her code name Mm -hmm. and she is like an absolute psychopath like she's the she's why it's funny because she has no emotions or feelings and she's quite she's quirky like she's really fun to watch but she's a really bad person now it's she's an assassin but more intrigued now yeah and then they kind of become Sandra O becomes obsessed with catching her mm. and she becomes obsessed with like taunting Sandra O. Okay. All right. So there's yeah, this, yeah. it's like a cat and mouse type vibe. I only watched four Look, episodes, so the whole thing could change. I can't start it until I start Luther because. Oh my God, you haven't watched Luther? Okay. So Kate watched Luther. My sister watched Luther. Oh, you don't like British shows. When she was away. No, this is the thing. She watched it when she was away. And I know if Kate likes something, I'll oh, you'll like pretty it. much guarantee to like it. Yeah, Luther's It does great. not work vice versa at all because mm. she hates most of the shows I like. <laughs> but um, she has been going on about it forever. Yeah, and it's great. I keep meaning to watch it. So I think I need to watch that first. Yeah. And that, that's actually a bit of a similar vibe. There's a bit of a cat mm. and mouse situation in Luther as well. I don't want to go into details. I don't want to spoil it. But yes, it's a great show. You should definitely watch Luther first. Yes, I am going to. Because she was watching it when I, we were away and she was watching it with her earphones in on her phone. And oh. then it would be like 11 p.m. at night and I'm trying to go to sleep. <laughs> and then I hear this like, <gasps> like that. And it was like, oh my God. <laughs> That's, that's terrifying the most and annoying dead thing. silence and then someone gasps no, at something. You don't I even know what's that. happening. No, you mm. can't just gasp randomly. Don't do it. I had a funny anecdote to tell you mm. and it was kind of – it's kind of a sequel to your 
to the last episode, a poo-related mystery. Mm-hmm. So I come home and it happened in Coogee where I live. Oh. So I come home and I'm walking down the side s- steps beside my building and I saw like a brown kind of like pile of substance on the ground. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's like maybe a cat has come into the yard and pooed or a possum or I don't think there's any dogs around, but maybe a dog. An animal. And like that kind of looks like poo. It was pretty dark. So I just like walked to the side, avoided it. And as I went further down the stairs, there was more like leading into the building. And then when I went into the lobby, because it's like you can get to our building and there's no closed door on one side. So like a cat could walk in. Okay. So an animal could be. Yeah. But then as I walked into the lobby, there was like piles of shit, like quite big piles of poo all over the ground. And it's like concrete ground, yeah. so it wasn't like carpet or anything. And someone had stood in one. You could oh, see no. like the smear and then it kind of went up the steps and then just abruptly stopped. And, and you, was, do you know anything about this? No. And I was just like, what, what the hell? And I messaged Julian. I'm like, this poo left the lobby of the house. He didn't say anything. I got home and he was already home. I didn't know that he was there. I'm like, do you see all the shit downstairs? And he's like, what? No. I'm like. And then I'm like, show me your feet, show me your feet straight away. You probably stood in it. Yeah. And he hadn't. But he's like, oh, I just thought they were leaves that had blown in. <laughs> he like what? was kind of like on his phone. Oh, my God. He saw that is the vaguest thing I've ever that heard. That there were things. But I'm like, it stunk of shit. Like it smelled so bad. Maybe. And, oh, that's so And weird. then the next morning when I went down the stairs, yeah. it was still there. And I'm like, I'm not going to clean this up. It's not my shit. But then I'm like, is it human or is it animal? Because it was big. Surely it's like, animal. I have a cat and... She does big poos. Yeah. And it didn't look like, like it was. You've got a mystery apartment It didn't look like cat poo. It was big, like big piles of it. Imagine if it happens again. And if someone. Maybe there's a secret dog in the building. It was more dog poo size. Yeah. But it wasn't like a neat sausage shape either. Yeah. It was kind of like a poo pile. Hmm. So then I was like, did someone just have like explosive diarrhea before they could make it inside their house? No, that's. No, I don't like that as a thought. It's gross. But it was there for two days. Two days, no one cleaned before it up. Before oh it was my God, gone. Everyone did what you did and they were like, it's not it's my not problem. My poo. I like, just feel if you it? had done a poo or your secret dog had done mm. a lot of poos, you would get up at three in the morning yeah. and clean it up and clean furtively and yeah. just never speak of it again. Yeah. I was almost going to write, like, if you're responsible for the secret poo, <laughs> can you get rid of it on the, we've got a passive aggressive Slash notice also board. text me and tell me if it was you just <laughs> so that I know. Me. I need to know. <laughs> I need to know. There's a passive aggressive message board in the yeah, lobby. Yeah, I love them. Where people are like, if you mistakenly took my red towel from the laundry, could you return it ASAP? Mistakenly. Yeah. Because like you did it on purpose, bitch. <laughs> yeah, because I don't mean mistakenly. There was no passive aggressive note about the poo mm. and it was just gone two days later. And not, maybe it'll happen again. Maybe. And it was disgusting. It smelled I, real yeah, bad. I mean, this is what I mean. Like if it was you or it was some some animal related to you, yeah. as if you wouldn't fucking clean yes. it up. So maybe it was just a dog that got in. Yeah, maybe I just some dog think... like got loose in the neighbourhood. Mm. We used to have mystery toilet pooers that would poo on the floor in the toilet and stuff. At Where? school. Oh, at God, school. I thought you mean in your house. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> like, okay, so okay, in my house one of your family, family members. <laughs> <laughs> one person is a psychopath <laughs> who poos in the bathroom. No. No, I mean like in Ew. the public. Yeah. And it was all the time. And it was like, what is that as a thing? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there would be cases of people who were like, you know, mentally ill and mm. it was just something they did. Yes. But 
I don't remember. I'm, look, I'm trying to remember. I suppose I wouldn't have known everyone in every year of school. So mm. potentially that was but the no answer. No one screamed also, out to you. As... It could just be a psychopath, you know? Yeah. Just someone who's like, you know, when there's a thing that's like, I am not supposed to do this thing. Yes. Like press I now the button want to do it. Don't press. And yeah. some people just don't do it. Normal. Most normal people, people, normal people yeah. don't do it. Yeah. And then some people do it. Yeah. Like once I was like, every now and then actually, not even once, just all the time, I get this urge to shave my eyebrows off like <laughs> just because you you shouldn't yeah and cut my eyelashes like it's like don't, don't do, do it. it like I mean eyebrows is different because I know a lot of people do shave theirs off if they don't like the shape and they reshape them or tattoo them yeah or, you know whatever but I it's like so that would be like these days yeah much more manageable back in like the 2000s probably yes, not no but like your eyelashes like why Did no they, they grow back they do. They fall out and then grow back. So oh, they each so it would take cycles ages. of them. But yeah, but also it's just insane. Like yeah. I have no interest in oh. doing these things, but now I really want to do them. <laughs> and I sometimes just popped into yeah, your head. I just think about it a lot. Yeah, think about it often. At least you're not thinking about killing someone. True. Because I'm sure that's what some people. A hundred percent. And then they do it. And then they actually do it. And like, is that a segue? Yeah, it's actually a really good segue <laughs> to. The, I've been going on all these zestier sides because that's what I do when I have a really bleak case. Yes, you start out all fun and And spicy because you're worried. I don't want to talk about it. Let's not talk about it. Let's not do the sad Let's just keep talking about poop and cutting our fucking eyebrows off. Um, Yeah, it's it's not good. Um, I don't even know what you're doing. I'm doing the family murders. Oh, that's right. I don't know anything about this. You don't and it's really awful and it's like more awful than I thought. Oh, yeah. This happens a lot with you. You don't realise. And we're actually like recording at the last second because I just like it was such a big beast. It's going to be long, I think. There was a lot to it and it was really bleak and I couldn't just sit there and keep doing it. Yeah. I was like wanting to vomit. It's really graphic as well. Oh, good. Um, A few credits. There's a podcast called Unresolved that did a two-part episode on this called The Family Murders, parts one and two, um, from March 19, 2017 and 11th of April, 2017. And they got a lot of their info from a book called Young Blood, written by one of the detectives called Bob O'Brien. And I referred to two Sydney Morning Herald articles they were from those like old archives, so there were no bylines. Oh, yes. Um, trove. Trove. The trove thing. From 1980 and 1987. And good old Wikipedia was a huge help with this one as well. So it's like, it's a long one and I need to give a bit of context, which you might think doesn't relate. And you're like, what's with the history lesson? But it's just for people that aren't familiar with Adelaide and like society at the time. Mm-hmm. So excuse me while I go on a trip down memory lane to the Hellmouth, Adelaide. To the Hellmouth. Um, so it was quite a conservative city. It's known as the city of churches or murders, depending if, on depending who you ask. If you ask us or yes. wider um, society. <laughs> in the late 60s and 70s, it wasn't immune to like the hippie movement that mm-hmm. started to come in and it became quite bohemian and arty and queer people became more comfortable and open, but then it actually wasn't legal to be gay. Yeah. So it was kind of like they were comfortable in certain areas and Mm. then they weren't as free to be who they were in other areas. So I had a look into the history of like 
the legalisation of homosexuality. It wasn't until 1973 that the Australian Medical Association removed homosexuality from its list of illnesses and disorders. Oh, 1973. That's insane. In the big scheme of things, is not very long ago. No. Um, it was illegal in Australia till 1997 in Tasmania to be gay. Um, but South Australia was actually the first state or territory to offer equality under criminal law in 1975, repealing homosexual offences and providing an equal age of consent for sexual intercourse at 17 years of age. So gay or straight intercourse. Yeah. Um, but back in 1972, it was still illegal. And there were, of course, people that felt very uncomfortable about it. And so that led to a fair bit of tension. And there was a lot of gay bashing mm. all around Australia but there was a lot in Adelaide. Yeah, I think I've heard of this before. Yeah. So the vice cops, so vice is like drugs and like um, sex work. That's mm -hmm. what they're kind of clamping down on. They're actually tasked with hunting down people who were like performing gay sex acts or even just holding hands or kissing. Yeah. If they were doing that in public, they were like arresting people yeah, and like right. stopping them from doing it. So that was like one of their jobs, which is just Wild so, today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crazy to think that, that was, was just like normal. your job to arrest people for holding hands. Mm. So on the evening of May 10, 1972, two gay men were thrown into the River Torrens, which I asked David, who is from Adelaide and works with us. He says that river cuts through the city east to west. Um, and the riverbank at the time was known as a bit of a gay beat where men, like some of them were married, but they'd go in their cars mm. and like hook up with guys um, secretly. So the cops were kind of around there because it was known as being a gay beat. So two men were thrown into the river. Um, one was a British-born law lecturer named Dr George Duncan. He was 41 at the time. And the other was a 27-year-old man named Roger James. Dr Duncan had only been in Australia for seven weeks at the time of the incident and he drowned in the river. Mm. Um, and Roger James suffered a broken ankle. He crawled up to the road and a passing driver, a local man named Bevan Spencer von Einem, stopped to help. He took Roger to the Royal Adelaide Hospital um, and then the news crews descended on the scene of George Duncan's drowning. Mm. And even though his body had been retrieved from the river, it was put back in so that the TV crews oh, fuck could film him being pulled out. Oh, gross. That's it's disgusting. disgusting. It's so bad. So Roger James clammed up. He refused to name his attackers. Rumours began swirling that it was actually three senior vice squad officers who had done it. Oh, and like they, they told him to shut the fuck and up. And they were covering it up. Witnesses claimed that the cops were accompanied by a tall civilian man um, who was never identified. And although South Australian Premier Don Dunstan even offered witness protection for anyone who came forward, no one did. There was a coronial inquest a few months later and the detectives that were pointed out by witnesses were called to give evidence. They all refused to answer questions and were subsequently suspended from duty and then the men resigned, so no charges were ever laid in Dr Duncan's death. The crime actually fast-tracked the changing of the laws because there was so much public outrage mm. and that's why it became legal to be gay. But unfortunately there was no justice for Dr Duncan. Yeah. So just keep that story in your mind because it's kind of like a precursor to the main case, but you'll see the connection as I go into it. So after the laws around homosexuality changed, the queer community became even more confident in exploring their identity. There were gay clubs cropping up and there was safer spaces to go out and socialise. So one local kid named Alan Barnes had checked out some of these clubs along with other Adelaide clubs and bars. He was 17, he was kind of finding himself in life 
trying out drugs, injecting bongs, living his life. <laughs> <laughs> On the 17th of June, 1979, he spent the night at a male friend's place. I couldn't really figure out if it was a platonic friend mm. or if something else was going on. Um, but in the morning they decide to hitchhike. I think they were, from what I can tell, they were going to go back to Alan's house. He lived with his parents. Right. Um, they didn't have any takers, so his mate decided to just go back home because he was like, two people aren't going to get picked up. Yep. Alan will have a better chance of hitching a ride. But that was the last time he'd ever see his mate Alan, who never made it home. Oh, no. His mum, Judy Barnes, reported him missing on the Monday. Even though he was almost 18, he would never do that. Like, he'd always tell her what he was doing and he'd always call or just come home. Yeah. So it was super unusual. So police started looking into it. Witnesses said they'd seen him hitchhiking at Grand Junction Road on the Sunday, just like his friend had said. The witnesses say they saw him get into a white Holden sedan with three or four male occupants inside the vehicle. And that was the last sighting of Alan for seven days. So on June the 24th, a couple of wholesome locals, it always is, going for a walk near the South Para Reservoir spotted something that looked like a body lying in the dirt next to the water. They called the police who came to the scene. They discovered the body of Alan Barnes, who'd been dead for several days. Oh, no. Autopsy revealed he'd been held captive. So he had signs of beating and torture and the cause of death was an anal injury that led to fatal blood loss. Oh, God. That's just horrific. He'd been washed completely clean and he was wearing clothes that weren't his own, like his mum said. Mm. They're not his. His friend said that's not what he was wearing. Investigators believe he'd been drugged as traces of Noctec, which is a sleep aid, was found in his system along with alcohol. So police thought he might have been given a drink laced with the sedative. Right. It wasn't a prescription sedative though. Like an over-the-counter. Yeah, it was kind of anything. You could just buy it. Um, Police felt like it was a personal crime. They began investigating people who knew Alan and might have had a reason to want to end his life so brutally. So according to the Unresolved podcast, two days after Alan's body was found, an anonymous person called the detectives who were working on the case and told them that a local man named Bevan Spencer von Einem, a name you might recall from two minutes ago when Mm -hmm. I said it before, was responsible for the murder. According to that podcast, the detectives believed the culprit was someone closer to Alan, like they just didn't think it would be this random person. Yes. But they jotted down his name to look into it. Two months later... On August 27, 1979, a 25-year-old man named Neil Muir was kicked out of an Adelaide bar after hanging out at several local gay-friendly haunts. So Neil was a transient. He bounced between places, couch surfing. He struggled with heroin and opiate addiction and it's believed he helped fund that addiction with sex work. So his sexuality isn't defined in any of these reports, but he was known to hang at the gay-friendly clubs and Mm. pick up clients. So on that particular night, he was drunk and probably under the influence of drugs and a local bouncer sent him on his way and that was the last time Neil was seen alive. The next day, some local fishermen found a garbage bag that had washed up on the banks of the Port River. All these places, I've never been to Adelaide. I'm just like... Oh, I don't even know where that is. I've been to this Adelaide. This exists. Yeah, this place. So I don't actually know where that mm. is or how far it was from the clubs. Um, but upon investigating, they made a grisly discovery inside the bag. Oh my God. Why would you open the bag? I would uh, open the bag. I would, I would never. just call the police as soon as I saw a bag. Yeah. I'd be like, I don't even care if it's garbage. Yeah. That's a, you can do it. Because you can never get that no, image out of your brain. The thing, we've said it a million times. You're not just like, you know, the person that dies obviously is the most harmed mm-hmm. in a situation of a murder, but then you've also got 
relatives, family, yeah. uh, friends, um, people that find the body yeah. that are just going about their day. It's fucked. That's trauma for everyone. Yeah. Have you listened to the new case file? No. It's about body parts found in various bags in a river. No. no. And basically like all it. the people opened the bags and were like, oh. I just would never ever open it. There's actually one woman that didn't open the bag and mm. she was in a boat mm. and it's floating along and she sees a police boat. So she just gets her oar and just like pushes it. Yes, that's me. <laughs> that like, woman is me. You guys can deal with this. That woman And it had was like a leg me. in it or something. Yeah. So I'm sure she's glad. Um, this is... This is awful. So his body had been dismembered. Parts of his skin that had, he had like quite tattooed skin. Mm -hmm. They'd sliced that off. His internal organs were removed. His arms and legs had been placed inside his body cavity. What? What's wrong with people? I don't know. His head had also been removed, but reattached using a rope. Oh, this is like some fucking sicko. Yeah. And his genitals were also mutilated. Neil's cause of death was the same as Alan's. A large object had been inserted into his anus, causing internal injuries that led him to bleed out. Due to the similarities between Neil and Alan's cause of death, police did begin to fear that they might be connected. Yeah, so it's like moving on from being a personal attack on yeah. Alan to more of a sort of gay hate yes. crime. Yeah. So they finally spoke to Bevan Spencer Von Einem, which this is the most ridiculous name I've ever heard I and know. I have it a ridiculous really name. It really and is. And he's pipped me at the post he there. He really has. That's like five names. No one needs that many names. So he was still on their list after the anonymous tip-off. Mm-hmm. Police went to his house and Von Einem admitted he knew Neil, saying he was he was a gay man and he'd been a lover of Neil's four years prior. He said he'd recently seen Neil like a few days beforehand Um but despite that connection, another man became the prime suspect in Neil's murder, a doctor named Peter Milhouse, who had been implicated by two anonymous callers. So mm. there were these people like calling up and dobbing other people in. So Milhouse was gay. He had a drinking problem. He lived in North Adelaide. He, according to this unresolved podcast, he'd gone on a bender, like he called it a bender, mm. after Neil Muir's murder and checked himself into rehab. The police came to question him at the facility, but he refused to answer any questions, even though cops had witnesses that had seen Millhouse with Muir before he died. They got a warrant to search his house and found the same type of trash bags and rope that were found in Neil's remains. They also found traces of what looked like blood on his bathroom floor. But I think because it was decades ago, they didn't have that technology to, like, match it. Yeah, the DNA stuff wasn't... Um, yeah, so it actually was all circumstantial evidence. They didn't have any physical mm. evidence. Pardon me. Um, they arrested him, though, and charged him with Neil Muir's murder. He went to trial in 1980, over a year after Neil's body had been found. He maintained he'd never met Neil, despite many witnesses saying they knew each other quite well. He also said that despite being a doctor, he was unable to perform surgical procedures. Um, like he had a weak stomach, so he would never, cause they were like, he's a doctor. You'd know how to cut up a body and mm. do all that weird, like removing the skin and all of yeah, that. Yeah. Right. So they're thinking that the weirdness yeah. of the mutilation. Yeah. Kind of like with Jack the Ripper, how they were like, he must be a doctor because of like the procedures that he did yeah. on the bodies. But he was like, there's no way I could have done that. Um, one news report I found in the SMH 1980 article said, 
prosecutor, Mr. A.R. Bishop, alleged that in 1977, Dr. Milhouse had allegedly been giving Mr. Muir methadone in return for behaviour of what must be regarded as of the strangest form being urinated upon. Oh, so he was like a sex act mm. in return. So they had, so the prosecution built That's their... the weirdest way to say that. <laughs> like how many words did they use in that sentence? Exactly. It's just, just like to he like, paid on him. Yeah, just say that. <laughs> it was just so awkward about this fetish. Mm. They didn't want to say it in 1980. Probably awkward about that stuff. Um, so they had a bit, they built this case on this, alleging that Millhouse and Muir did have an ar- arrangement where mm-hmm. they fulfilled each other's separate needs quote, unquote, Dr. Milhouse's need for sexual satisfaction and Mr. Muir's need for drugs. But due to a lack of real physical evidence, Milhouse was acquitted of all charges. Mm. The police were back to square one. Because it was all circumstantial. Yeah, now with two brutal murders on their hands. Yeah. So then the following year, sorry, this is relentlessly bleak case. There's just no fun and games. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be a really good time. The following year, August 27, 1981, a 14-year-old Adelaide boy named Peter Stogneff did what so many other 14-year-olds before him had done. He wagged school. Mm-hmm. He got dressed, he grabbed his bag as normal, but he didn't go to school. At some point, he came back home and hid his backpack in the garage. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing, like, he could grab it when he was coming back home mm, and be like, like, hey, he'd been guys, at school. Yeah. Yeah. I've been at school. Um, so he arranged, he'd arranged to meet a mate called Daniel at Adelaide's Rundle Mall, which is... So I've been to outdoor, uh-huh. outdoor famous like CBD kind yeah. of area. Yeah. But Peter never showed up. He also never returned home that night, leading his parents to search the entire house and they found the backpack. So then they called all his mates and discovered the plans to skip school that day. And that's when they called the police who started investigating. One witness claimed they saw Peter at Tea Tree Plaza shopping centre with an adult male, but police ran out of leads and the case went cold. Mm. Then the following year, February 27, 1982, 18-year-old Mark Langley headed to a friend's 18th birthday party in a northeast suburb of Adelaide with his family. So he arrived with his parents, but then he left with his friends. You know how, like, he'd be like, okay, no, I don't want to hang out with my parents. I want to go and do young people stuff. So he left with his friend Ian and Ian's girlfriend Paula to go driving around the city. Soon an argument broke out between the three of them. And they were stopped near the, to- the River Torrens um, and Mark decided to get out of the car for whatever reason they were fighting about. Ian and Paula drove off and they came back a few minutes later. But by the time they'd returned, Mark had vanished. Thinking he'd get himself home, they left again, but Mark never returned home. By Sunday, his family were worried. They called police and they questioned all his friends, but no one had seen him except for Ian and Paula. They were the last to see him. Later, witnesses claimed they saw Mark hitchhiking in the area on War Memorial Drive and a man stopped to pick him up. Right. Nine days after he disappeared, walkers discovered a body in the foothills of Mount Again, Lofty. walking. Just walking. don't go walking. Just don't, don't walk. do exercise. And don't, if you see a foot, just keep walking. It's just a shoe. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> don't investigate. Don't look. <laughs> just, just keep going. start squinting, verify it's a body and then call the police so you don't see anything yeah. too grisly because you don't need that in your life. I really like walking. And I, I you love, did walking I did a lot weekend. of hiking. I love a little hike. To be fair, I always go on like very populated tracks. Yeah. So I feel well, like wouldn't... the chance that I am the one that's going to find a body. It's the people that get up at an ungodly hour yeah. 
and go at like six in the morning or like get all creative and go on weird tracks. So yeah. Think, keep up your walking. That's fine. But like go in the afternoon. Yeah. Let someone else find and the bodies. Just be basic. Just do Kuji to just, yep, Do the same shit all the time. <laughs> no one's going to dispose fine. of a body Don't go there. up into the hills. It's just bad and it makes me scared that one day I'll like trip over a foot or something. I'm shocked that I've never found a body. Yeah. Considering the fact that I've been yes, all around Australia everywhere. and done it. But I guess, again, like I've been on mainly very populated hikes. Yeah. So. Which is good. Potentially bodies have been found around there. I know it's horrible. And I always think in these stories, like they just mention that person in passing. Yeah. But like what happened to their life afterwards. Well, that's what I mean. Like that's going to fuck you up for so long. Yeah. I would need to see a psychologist every single day for 10 years. Yeah. And even then, it's going to be burned into my brain because I'm a very visual person. Yeah, and same. I that's why I can't watch really bad horror movies because I will have the scene in my head. Even when I watched the trailer for The Human Centipede, which oh my I God. wish that I never did, <laughs> I will never get images out of my head. And they're like the yeah. PG-13 shit, you know? Yeah, like on the, the trailer. trailer yeah. does not have the real shit yeah. in the movie. Yeah, And I, I still can't. So I feel bad for all these people that... Have found horrible have found bodies. Things. I mean, obviously, I feel incredibly bad for the actual victims themselves, but that's like I said, like it's all these other people that you don't hear about again that were affected by, yeah, like stuff those as well. The ones in the and like when kids find bodies, yeah, really fucks me up because it's like, remember Stand By Me? Did you have to watch yes. that at school? Yes, exactly, yeah, exactly. My point, it's fucked. Like, kids <laughs> finding bodies is yeah. really fucked up. Anyway, I hate sorry, it. go back to it. So they found. Well, in I Mount don't Lofty. know if these are kids or they. Hopefully they could they're be. not. Hopefully it just not. says walkers. Um, they found the body of Mark Langley, fully clothed in the clothes he'd been wearing when he disappeared. Like Alan Barnes, he'd been washed before his body was dumped, and like Alan and Neil, the cause of death was massive blood loss from an anal injury. So is the washing to get rid of potential? I think so. DNA, but there's no. Is there there's DNA, no DNA testing then? No. So that's interesting. So these people were thinking ahead. Fingerprinting? I'm not sure. Or maybe so just... weird to wash the body. It's really weird. The um, Neil hadn't been washed. He'd just been chucked right. in bags. Um, that's strange to me because you've got three now that have similar... Two? Three? That three have similar with the same cause of death. And the same washing of the body... Mm. But then you've got one chopped mm. up person mm-hmm. and it's all really weird and clinical. Yeah. So strange. It's really I suppose weird. you could connect the strange clinical behaviour, washing the body and yes. all of that to chopping. Like it's, there's some chopping sort of and creepy detachment yeah. there. It's not like like there's very much a planned element to all of this. Yeah. I mean obviously there is because there's the same kind of consistency with the bodies but – there's something we like very much like a murderer, not someone that's killing people in the height of yeah, passion like a, or something. Yeah, like a frenzied attack. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's very yeah. and the fact cold. That they've been like Alan have been tortured for a while. Mm. Like they'd been getting their rocks off on doing all this awful stuff to him. And the same thing happened to Mark Langley, the, the body that they found. So he had been surgically mutilated. He had a scar running from his navel to his groin that had been kind of crudely stitched up and sealed with those little surgical tape uh, yeah. things. Pa- 
part of his bowel was also missing. Oh, what the fuck? I'll quote the Unresolved podcast here because I couldn't even bear just rewording this. Mm. This is horrible. Like trigger warning, this is gross. This is a quote. Medical examiners and police began to theorise about the rationale for the surgical scar and the most plausible explanation is one of the worst as far as mental images are concerned. The theory was that whatever item had been used to sexually assault Mark with had gotten caught up in his intestines, requiring a quick surgical reaction on behalf of the killer to retrieve the item. Are you fucking serious? Like, so beyond demonic behaviour to do that to someone. I just, it's like, I mean, I just don't, I mean, you know, you don't understand murderers in general, but I just do not understand how someone can have so, like, no... I guess that's what psychopaths are, yeah. but like no emotional reaction to somebody's pain. No, just, oh, quick, better like retrieve this. Not, oh, oh my God, what up. we're doing is wrong. You shouldn't be putting something there. Like there's no mm. regard to that. Just a quick fix for them, not him. Yeah. Um, it's horrible. So they also found traces of a hypnosedative drug called Mandrax in his system which is known by a more common name, Quaaludes. Yeah. So they were like super popular in the 70s disco scene. Mm-hmm. I'm dancing. Um, I always read about like people on Quaaludes in the 70s, but I don't really know what they are. But they are a prescription drug. So unlike Noctec, they're pretty like heavily um, policed. Yeah. So as police were investigating Mark Langley's February murder, just a few months later in June 1982, A farmer living in Middle Beach, which is about an hour away from Adelaide, was doing a planned burning of some of his crops, like his old crops. And he made a grim discovery when surveying the area that he'd burned, human remains. So unfortunately, while burning his land, the farmer had also burned the body of 14-year-old Peter Stogneff, who was the one I mentioned before that was wagging school. Mm. So since it had been burned, it was very difficult to determine how Peter had been killed or even when he'd been killed. But it was evident that like Neil Muir, Peter had been cut into three pieces before his body had been dumped. There was no other evidence on or near the body to help police with their investigation. So the only way they could link it was... Yeah. And that's like just of no one's fault, you know? Yeah. He was just Just kind of hidden in those crops. Situation. Yeah. Poor farmer again. Again. Yeah. And then he would be feeling bad because he's, you know, burnt a body. I mean, you know, he obviously would know he didn't mean to, but... Yeah, but who You'd knows? You feel shit that you can't give that family yeah. answers because of, you know, and not even human error, just coincidence. Yeah, some assholes put – but you have to think there's probably planning there where they're like put him in these old crops mm. and – But do you think that they were trying – it feels almost like they're happy for people to find yeah. bodies. Well, they're pretty publicly Well, like dumped. putting them anywhere where walkers could yeah. venture is and pretty like, – um, on the, the banks water. of the river, mm-hmm. like, yeah, pretty highly populated, highly used Maybe areas. Maybe they thought that he would find them. Maybe, mm. which is awful. So in October the same year, 1982, a local boy who unresolved called George, so I'll just use the same pseudonym. So he was hitchhiking and he was picked up by a man older than himself who he described as having dyed hair. The stranger promised him a good time and took him to a house with two women who George didn't realise were pre-op trans women. Mm -hmm. The stranger kept plying George with beers and when he began to get tired, he offered him what he claimed was no-dose. 
but then it actually made him black out. So he right. went into one of the room into a room with one of the women, blacked out, woke up the next day back at home with no memory of having got back home. And he had extreme pain in his anus. So he actually reported the incident to police, which is so great. Like so many people oh my God, yes. would just be like, Oh my God. And no. how old was he? It doesn't say, just okay. a little local boy. Well, boy is like young. Yeah, I'm guessing so like particularly. Old teens. I mean, especially yeah, and that, especially so many for so many reasons, it's really brave yeah. for him to go to the police. Really and, brave, and actually go through it. And they say like it's like I'm learning so much more now about people going through trauma, having how hard it is to go to the police. Mm. Like because I read Eggshell Skull, yeah, and she talks a lot about how hard it was to go to the police and like just to rehash what she knew of what happened to her because yeah. she'd kind of like forgotten parts of it. Yeah. Um, she was saying that like she talks about – she really – I suppose she really describes very well and you kind of understand how difficult it would mm. be. Especially you know? if they say And if you don't like, know exactly what happened yeah. to you but you know something not great has happened to you. And you know that history of like – especially for women – of oh why were you walking there by yourself mm. at night or why and were you wearing that and were you drunk the same thing because yeah, he got in he a car walking around and then you know yeah like even though homosexuality is not illegal anymore there yeah. it would still be it was very yeah so he went and he underwent an examination they found uh, doctors found a tear in his anus and traces of mandrax in his system right but George couldn't remember the name of the man who picked him up or the women who were at the house or even where the house was because his memory was so hazy after being drugged. So the case went cold. On Sunday, June 5th, 1983, 15-year-old Richard Kelvin was at a local Adelaide park kicking around a soccer ball with his dad, Rob Kelvin, who was the host of Channel 9 News in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. So he was like a bit of a local celebrity, I guess. Richard's schoolmate, Boris, was also there kicking around the ball. So they parted ways. Richard walked Boris to the bus stop and Rob just headed home, the dad. The Kelvins lived just a few blocks away from War Memorial Drive, which is where Mark Langley had last been seen alive the year before. Boris and Richard chatted at the bus stop for a few minutes before the bus pulled up and Boris got on and waved goodbye to his mate who had just 400 metres to walk home. But though his dad Rob waited up for him, Richard never returned home. Police were called and according to Unresolved, they treated it as a runaway case, even though the Kelvin family insisted Richard was happy, he was very settled, he'd even landed himself a serious girlfriend and it took them two days for the police to arrange a door-to-door canvassing of the area. Why would they do that when all these other people yeah. have died in the last couple of years? I don't know. That's ridiculous. And it was really frustrating for the Kelvins because they knew he hadn't run away. Um, it's just like a weird time to run away as well. Like Yeah, like after playing. <laughs> like, like after playing sport and being like, see you in a sec, dad. Like, I don't know. I just feel like you'd – and you'd have stuff with you. Like he just had his clothes on yeah. and nothing else. Um, and then lo and behold, when they did start asking neighbourhood people, they said they'd heard screams and shouts around 6.30 on that Sunday evening which is around the time Richard would have been walking home. One witness even said he heard a young voice like Richard shouting out and then a group of other voices shouting as well, saying it almost sounded as if it was in unison and those people sounded older than Richard. Because Richard Kelvin was a relatively high-profile case, many police were assigned to the investigation 
and they were finally linking all the murders together. So I think they'd linked a couple of others, but then they were like, okay, maybe Richard's a part of this. Because as we know in Adelaide, many people were being murdered left, right yes, and centre. all the time. Um, so they noted that three of the young men, Alan, Mark and Richard, had all been abducted on a Sunday. They received many anonymous tip-offs with one caller saying Richard was being held in a caravan in the Adelaide foothills, which is where Mark's body was found. So mm-hmm. police even like went and investigated, didn't find anything. Um, another caller said two men named Mark and Doug had taken Richard in a Holden sedan. So police began to suspect that maybe a group of perpetrators may be involved in the abductions and murders, especially because that guy overheard a few people yelling yeah. at Richard. So two months later, in July 1983, a geologist and his family were looking for moss rocks. I don't know okay. what that, that is. And his family. And his family. That's that's a, the worst <laughs> family trip I can ever think of. But okay, sure. Um, they're in the Mount Crawford Forest, northeast of Adelaide. And there they stumbled upon the body of Richard Kelvin, who was wearing the clothes he'd gone missing in, as well as his family's dog's collar. And he had been wearing, like he'd worn that as a joke on the okay, day. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah, I was like, what? what yeah, so he still had that or had that on, around his neck. Um, he'd like worn it as a joke. Yeah. And his family were like, you're weird, but they just let him do it. Yeah. Um, like some of the other victims, he'd been clean and he had traces of a cocktail of different drugs in his system. Noctec, Mandrax, Valium, Rohypnol and Am- Amatel. Jesus, that's a lot. Yeah. So like four of the other victims, his cause of death was blood loss due to an anal injury. Mm. Unlike the others, though, he'd been held captive for a lot longer over five weeks. Oh, fuck. That's so fucked. So it's like horrific to think of what he'd endured during that yeah. time. Just 15. So at this point, police finally linked all five murders together and got to work examining the evidence they actually had in an attempt to find the culprits. They looked at all the commonalities and decided to focus on the drugs found in the systems of the victims. So while Noctec was easily available, Mandrax was pretty regulated. So police looked through the lists of Adelaide residents who had been prescribed the drug and a familiar name popped up, Bevan Spencer von Einem. Oh, my God. So he did it. A bit about Bevan. I'll call him Von Einem. I'm sick of saying 500 names. So he was almost 40. He was like a nondescript accountant type, lived with his mother. The only kind of interesting thing in his record was that heroic moment of helping Roger James Mm -hmm. in the very first Torrens River incident, taking him to hospital. Another interesting thing to note is that he had been greying prematurely since age 16. He's got like entirely white hair. Right. And so he would get his hair dyed monthly oh, okay. by a hairdresser friend. And I remember George, the guy that got abducted, said the guy had dyed hair. Yes. Um, Von Einem suffered from insomnia and that's what led to his being prescribed Mandrax and Rohypnol. He also sometimes... Rohypnol for... Yeah. Whoa. Um, I guess it had a real re- use. Yeah, it had a real use. Date rape drugs. Before so. people um, appropriated it for their own evil ways. He would drive around Adelaide at night as well when he couldn't sleep. Okay, well, this guy did <laughs> so. So police were like, yes, it's got to be him, especially since a few anonymous calls had linked him to Alan Barnes, Neil Muir, and police had also looked into him after Mark Langley's body was discovered. And he admitted he'd been driving in the area at the time when Mark was abducted. 
Police asked where he'd been when Richard Kelvin had been abducted and Von Einem said he'd been home with the flu and gave them a doctor's certificate. <laughs> it's like, it's not yeah. like a shift at work. No. Like, it's a murder. It doesn't work that it way. It doesn't work like that. Like, like doctor's certificate does not prove shit. No. So in police interviews, he was evasive and he also admitted to selling a car around the time Mark Langley was found. The friend he sold it to said he'd repainted the car boot only, which is very suspicious. So the police were very sus. They decided to look into all the anonymous tips they'd been getting and they actually managed to track down one of the callers who unresolved called Mr B. So Mr B was a young bisexual man, 20 years old. He said he'd become friends with Von Einem in 1979, around the time Alan Barnes went missing and was found murdered. He described times of driving around, trawling for young men, luring mm. them into the car with beer and promises of a good time, like George said. Yeah. Apparently, Von Einem's mum would go out of town every other weekend, leaving the house empty. Right. Um, Mr B said he was present for instances of young men being roofied and assaulted, but he'd leave when things, quote, got sketchy. Oh, because that's fine. <laughs> okay, things are getting a bit sketchy here. Yeah. You're doing some illegal <laughs> shit and uh, these people don't want to do it, but I'm just going to leave yeah. and that absolves me of like, all this is the line. This, this is, is the line, people. This is the line here. My line is that I leave when people are getting roofied yeah. and things are being done to them without their knowledge. Yeah. What a piece of shit. Yes, he is a piece of shit. So police conducted a search of Von Einem's home in 1983 and discovered a hidden ledge inside his closet right. containing Mandrax, Rohypnol and Noctec. Okay, um, <laughs> you're not okay. – Also, why are you hiding it if it's prescription? Why is and it on like, a hidden I'm ledge? I'm sorry, if you make a hidden ledge yeah. in your cupboard – Yeah, there's nothing You good. are a shady fucker. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Like you're better off having it just in your normal cupboard. Yeah. And being like, oh, I use this because yeah. I have a prescription. Yeah. Like you said. Not yeah. behind like a weird wall. A weird Don't do that. ledge. They also found fibres on Richard Kelvin's clothes that matched carpet and bed fibres from Von Einem's house. Okay. And then at that point, Von Einem changed his story and said, oh, yes, I did pick up Richard Kelvin that night. Oh, my God. So he said before I'd never seen him, never met yeah. him. Yeah. He said they drove around and talked As and if. then... They went back to Von Einem's house and hugged. Hugged. They just hugged. They just had a hug. Yeah, and played the harp apparently. Oh, my fucking God. I hate of this Of course man. he had a harp. Um, but then he says he gave the 15-year-old 20 bucks to get home and never saw him again. That's ridiculous. You're not even lying well now. Yeah. I'm like, why would you just hug? I can think That's of weird numerous enough. other excuses <laughs> you hug. can use. Like, oh, he was on the side of the road and he had a skinned knee and I yeah. gave him, <laughs> I took him back to my house and fixed his knee up and yeah. then drove him to his house. Like yeah. I am doing a better job <laughs> of being a psychotic serial killer than this guy. Covering this up. So they charged him with murder. The case Good. went to trial in 1984 with Von Einem pleading not guilty. The prosecution were determined not to lose the case after losing the Neil Muir case and Peter Milhouse being acquitted. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went in hard. They had physical evidence, um, unlike with Millhouse. It took the jury seven and a half hours to find Bevan Spencer Von Einem guilty of murder. Yes. With the judge sen- sentencing him to life in prison with a non-parole period of 24 years, which was later increased to 36 years because the Attorney General immediately appealed the leniency of that non-parole that, period. Yeah. Because that was fucked. 
Um, also, he murdered a fucking like. I, I do not even understand a thirty. I don't. I know that there's a yeah. theory with this, and someone tried to explain this to me with the George Pell situation. Yes. Yeah. But I just do not understand. Oh, you murdered like five, six people. Mm. Uh, thirty-six years. What? Yeah. Like life done. Yeah. The end. Goodbye. Never want to see you on the streets again. Rot in jail. Yeah. See you later. I know. And But I know that there's a thing to do with people's age and all sorts of things. Yes. But it's, I hate it. Anyway. I know. It's really fucked. But he would, this was only um, Richard Kelvin's murder. Right. Of course. Yes. But still. They can only get him for that. But still that's fucked because he had him for five weeks. Mm. He tortured him. He's also him. 15. Like He's there's 15. a lot of elements to that that make it like it's, it's – Underage, yeah. firstly, so there's nothing. Even if they were going to try and argue some consensual shit, happened, yeah. it can't. It be. doesn't exist. Like he is, like, it's like checkmate. Yeah, and it's still only and that. It's still but. only thirty six. Um, so after Von Einem was imprisoned, the state coroner led an inquest into the murders of Alan Barnes, Neil Muir, Peter Stogneff, and Mark Langley in 1988. Police believed Von Einem was involved, but didn't work alone. They looked into all his known associates and acquaintances attempting to establish that a ring of perverted sex offenders who preyed on young and underage men and boys were responsible for the murders as well as other cases of victims being drugged and raped, like George, who I spoke about earlier. So at one point in a 60 Minutes interview, I'm not even sure what year this happened, Mm. but a law enforcement official said they were trying to, quote, break up the happy family of sex offenders involved, which is how the case got the name, The Family Murders. I was, gonna, I was really not sure how yeah. it was ever going to – I thought the mum was involved <laughs> and I was like, but she seems really old. No. And that would be extremely um, uh, psycho vibes yes. if she was. Yeah, the mum helping. No, it no. was a, a – I get you now. The mum had nothing to do with it. So the mum po- is fine. She's fine. We can acquit her of all charges. Police were looking at up to 12 suspects with some believed to be – quote-unquote, high-profile Adelaide personalities, many of whom were secretly gay. Three of these men were known to be the core suspects. So suspect one was a prominent Adelaide businessman who police had seen, they kind of staked out Von Einem's house Mm -hmm. after his first question just to see what he got up to. And this man came and parked and was like inside for ages. And that was this businessman. They believe he was with Von Einem when Richard was taken he visited Von Einem many times in prison and he had this like business and when you went inside there was a second floor and it was empty except for a mattress. Okay, well, that's you're gross. doing shady shit yep. on that mattress, clearly. Did the business have anything to do with mattresses? No. <laughs> no. It wasn't a mattress Why store. Why are you having – like did anyone work there that was like, mm, this mattress seems <laughs> like a weird thing I up here? Know. I'm sorry, if I worked here and there was a secret floor with a mattress, Just one mattress, I would be like asking a lot of fucking questions. Yeah. And wouldn't you be DNA testing this? This was 1988 at this point. Wouldn't you be taking that mattress and running a blue testing thingy everything? Shit? I don't know what you do. Yes. Take all the spore thingies. Yeah. And, I don't know. Anyway, the whole that's weird. Yeah. But he sounds sus. So he's number one. N- number two is our old pal Peter Millhouse. Oh, yeah. The doctor who literally got away with murder. Yeah. He died in a nursing home in Cessnock in the Hunter Valley in 2015. He was 80 years old. Suspect three was, and I think, because I found some information somewhere and someone unresolved, I think suspect three is Mr. B, the okay. informant. Yes. 
because he was a former male sex worker and a friend of Von Einem and suspect one. Mm-hmm. Um, his sister once told police that he said he'd killed someone and thrown them off a bridge, which could be a reference to the two that were found in the water, Alan yes. and Neil. Or even the body, the bag that was Yes, washed up. that was Neil. Oh, yeah. Um, the other people investigated by police include high-ranking members of the legal community, the brother of an Olympian, Adelaide businessmen and two people who at one point, one of them lived with Suspect One and one of them lived with Peter Millhouse. All of their names have suppression orders against they're them. they're not, yeah. Well, I mean, you know what, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. I actually understand that because you don't know. You don't, there's no proof. And you don't want to like throw. Yeah. Like I actually life. find it very uncomfortable how when someone is charged with something but they haven't actually gone through the court yes. that their name can and face can be plastered yeah. everywhere because I'm always like, this is pretty fucked. Like if yeah, this the court of public it, if opinion. If they did do it, fuck them. Yeah, seriously, go like, to hell. Enjoy having everyone in the entire world know that you're a demon. Yeah. But the problem is, is like if someone got something wrong mm, or if it turns mm-hmm. out that there was, you know, it's yes. still attached to that person. The stigma is always there. It's kind there. of like with, you know, with cancel culture and stuff, mm. similar vibe of like, you know, you, you one person calls someone out and then the pile that on. person, there's a pile on. And yeah. then it's like even if that person is cleared yeah. or, you know, it's decided that whatever they did yeah. wasn't as bad as it was made out or whatever the case, you know, mm-hmm. it's still kind of. Tar- not tarnishes it, no. their name, but it just puts them into a position where yeah, definitely there's does. a lot of people that connect them to something bad. Yeah, so, like, oh, he's the one that got like, yeah. arrested but then let go for the murder yeah. of blah, blah. Exactly. Like, you always remember it. Exactly. So I think suppression orders, Yeah. I, even though it's annoying to me because I like to know everything and I really want to know who these yes. people are because they sound very important. Yeah. I understand. Yes. Another suspect who can be named is an Adelaide doctor named Stephen Woodards, who was another associate of Von Einem's. In 2011, he stood trial on unrelated child sexual abuse charges. That's when the suppression order lapsed. Oh, well, then that's fine. I'm and sorry. And he ap- you... applied for another one and it got denied. So suck it, Stephen Woodards. Did he Woodards. get done for it? I'm not actually sure. I mean, child sex, like that stuff's usually like we've found all these photos yes. on your phone yep. or on your computer. So yeah. you're pretty fucked. Yep. Like you did it. Yeah. In 1990, Von Einem was charged with the murders of Alan Barnes and Mark Langley, with police believing those two murders were similar enough to Richard Kelvin's to suggest Von Einem's involvement. But a judge ruled that the testimony of several of Von Einem's associates and also some hitchhiker witnesses were inadmissible. So in 19, February 91, the prosecution withdrew the two murder charges on advice of the Attorney General. Mm. Um, in 2008, a cold case review into the murders of Alan Barnes, Neil Muir, Peter Stogneff and Mark Langley was ordered with a million-dollar reward for anyone who could provide information leading to a conviction, even involving an immunity clause to protect accomplices, depending on their level of involvement. Mm. So if they, like, did the killing, no. probably not immune. If, but you if were, they like, were in the, the guy, car like or, the dude that was, like, going to yeah. go now. Yeah, like this I'm is getting sketchy. A, I'm still a piece of shit, yeah. but I'm going to get immunity because yeah. I didn't actually do anything. Yes, but no one came forward. The review went for two years. And with the advancements of DNA technology, police were able to get samples from all their key suspects and test these against forensic evidence. 
They even travelled overseas because some of the suspects had moved away from Australia, mm. which screams guilty to me. But yeah. And I can say that because their names are suppressed. We don't know who they are and therefore we're allowed to say whatever we want. We can call them all guilty, evil bastards. Um, they re-interviewed Von Einem in prison as well. However, there were no matches, DNA matches. And with the suspects? No. Mm. And the review was closed in 2010 with no further charges being laid. The murders of 17-year-old Alan Barnes, 25-year-old Neil Muir, 14-year-old Peter Stogneff and 18-year-old Mark Langley remain unsolved to this day. I hate that. Wait, but are they unsolved? Because don't we know that Von Einem They can't prove that he was involved. Oh, my God. He was They know surely, that there's so many yeah. other people that worked with him. How can they, they not can't, prove he was involved? The, there's no physical evidence. Mm. There only was with um, Richard Kelvin. Right. Oh, that's so annoying. Yeah. And he, like, didn't help, you know, he didn't cough cough up to, like... He's Ivan Malatting. Yeah, admitting to any of the others. Um, And he didn't point the finger at any friends. Yeah. Peter Milhouse might have killed Neil Muir, but he got acquitted because it was just... He knew him and he went on a bender and there was nothing actually tying him to it. Oh, God. It must have been so frustrating for the police involved mm. in the case because it's like because they're, they're pretty the sure they, there, they know who did it. There's no 100% certainty. Yeah. And then I think, I also do think though, it if it's like it's obviously was a group. Mm. And so then it's kind of that thing of like, well, all these other people should be charged. But I think mm. the reason no one came forward was because maybe no one knew about it besides the people that were directly involved. It sounds like it was all very covert. Yeah. And these are all people that have pro, like a prominent in the mm. Adelaide mm-hmm. social yes. you know, fabric of people. society. Yeah. And, you know, again, we talked about, you know, homosexuality mm. has been like unillegaled, legalised. Wow. <laughs> That's Okay legalized mm. so but it still has stigma carried to it and if there were a whole bunch of people that were married yeah and, you know not going out. to gay beats yeah on on the down low yeah i'm assuming these people at least some of them would have been doing that yeah so it would make yeah. sense that there's this secret sort of ring yeah of you know homosexual men or bisexual men who mm. also want to fucking kill people mm-hmm. which is fucked up and they are operating on a, like, don't tell anyone basis. Yeah. So when there is a reward, it's like, well, none of them are going to come forward because then they're going fucking to jail yeah. and revealing the fact that they, you know, are an asshole yes. of the highest order. Yep. So it's is that thing of, like, one of them would have to crack. Yeah. And why would they crack when they've been doing these horrible evil things away this whole it. time? Yeah. Gotten away with it and had even the guts to do that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like these are people that clearly are psychopaths yeah. and don't give a shit. Yeah, because there's so many people that – like even that guy who was calling up and, you know, incriminating people and it sounds like he was involved in some way, Mr. B, that was yeah. calling up and it's like a part of him wanted to talk about it. Like a part of him couldn't stand living with that yeah. and he just needed to like – say it but then if you can live with that since 1979 Mm. then you're a sicko and you're never gonna tell if you can live for what 40 years yeah and just be like nope I'm not gonna tell anyone like 
you and I couldn't live with that for five seconds. No way. We'd never have done it to begin with. No. And I wonder how many other like George people were picked up and assaulted. Oh, absolutely. There were so many that didn't come forward that might have been able to point the finger at more people or places. And this is the issue with um, attitudes toward homosexuality, trans Mm. people, um, sex work. Is that drug users like Neil Muir? People, um, particularly if people are doing things covertly because they don't want people to know that they have sex with men or have sex with sex workers or whatever the case may be, Mm. they are too scared to go to the cops to say anything because Mm. it would out them in whatever way. Yeah. But that is the result of society having fucked up attitudes. Yeah. And so that's what's so shit is that there probably were, like you said, other boys or young men who didn't die Mm. and were assaulted or, you know, did something that they normally do, like go home with a guy, go mm. meet a guy somewhere, but things went weird mm. and they were like, I'm not going to say anything because to say something for me mm. would be more damaging than to say something. Yeah. Than to not say something, yeah. sorry. And um, and that's fucked because you just like mm. it probably could be solved with a few, like or could have been solved yes. with some connecting yep. evidence. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe someone remembered something, but yeah, it's probably or an address. too late now. They could remember where the yeah. house was yeah. or, you know, point the remember finger more at someone. details if there were other people there, yeah. the details about those people. Yeah. Yeah, because it sounds like a lot of people were involved. And I just, I don't know if they meant to kill these people. Like mm. they were obviously doing some fucked up stuff. Apparently when Mr B went, got sketchy, mm. was he said – Von Einem was assaulting two boys that he'd picked up and they were like passed out and he was like inserting things into them. And that's when he was like, oh, I'm going. I hate him. Yeah. So there's, a, according to him, there's at least two boys that got abducted at the same time Like that didn't say anything. Maybe they also died. Who knows? Yeah. And like you just, I don't know, I'm sorry, big call, but you're just as culpable yeah. if you walk away. Yeah. By and standard then behavior. just call up anonymously <laughs> ages yeah. later, sorry, yeah, you fucking were responsible for what happened to them. You could have stopped it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I get that, you know, I get that it's probably harder in the moment. Mm. He would have had stuff. He's like, shit, I could get in trouble and all of these mm. things. But it's also like this has crossed a line. Yes, and you knew it crossed the line, so you left. And then all you did was like yeah. call. But there's like more you could have done. So I listened to – so SBS True Stories, which was this podcast. I don't know if they do it anymore, but I loved it. It mm. was amazing. Um, and they did a series. It would be a different topic each series. Mm. And one of their series is – and, look, I feel really bad because I've forgotten if it was in Adelaide or Hobart. I'm going to Google it real quick. Okay. But it was about – Was it about gay bashing? Yes. Yeah. I saw it in my travels when researching. Okay. But different different case – No, it definitely touched on this case. It kind of talked about gay bashing around the country, but then it talked about the beat down at River Torrens. That's what I was – I was like there were bits of that story that were like making – Familiar. Yeah, I was like, wait, I've not heard this whole story before, but I've definitely heard parts. Yeah. Um, That was an amazing podcast and it was just horrific and Mm. it was just so much of this sort of, you know – I mean, I think that was more looking at how 
at a time when police were just letting shit slide yeah. to a huge degree yeah. um, because potentially it was in the time when it was still illegal. Yeah. And so they just didn't care. Yeah. And it's one thing fucked. to be illegal and be like, hey, stop kissing here in public. Yeah. But it's another thing to throw two people in a river. Well, it just moves into like hate crime or, yeah, territory or and to like let, brutality. Like, let people get away with gay bashing. Like I get if you're a cop and the law is that it's illegal, as shit as that is to us in this yeah. day, and obviously even then it was still shit, Yeah, that it's your job. It's still, yeah. The law and it's It's like how there'd be cops that are like, well, I don't want to like, you know. Bust people for weed. Yeah, or like drug test all these cars or whatever. But that's the law. It's my job. But it's when it's, I mean, like, you know, it happens with cops everywhere. It's still happening today in America and things, Mm. you know, with different groups of society that, you know, it moves into actual hate. Yeah. And then they just do things that are completely inhumane. Horrible, and I wonder because that story, that Torrens River story, is always included in this family murders mm. because it was like the first time Bon Item popped up on police's yes, radar. Yes, and I wonder if it's kind of implying that he was also, you know, there was a a non police man that was involved, mm. or he was just down there doing other shady things. I mean, there could have been like. Shady cops, we know they yeah. exist and they've been involved in cases we've done before. And, yeah. you know, the power that you have as a shady cop, the things mm-hmm. you can do, the, the sway you can, you can have, yeah, the things you can hide, mm. evidence you can destroy, so many options there. Yeah. So, you know, and then, as like you said, there are like some of those suspects with the suppression orders on them, are like yeah. high in legal system. Legal. So it's like, are they lawyers? Are they cops? Anyway, it's fucked. I it's hate super it. But it's shit because. You know, with these sorts of things, it's been so long. Like what can mm. possibly come out now? Yeah. Like you'd have to hope for deathbed confessions and things. Yeah. And I just don't think they happen that often. No, I just don't. We've said it before. They're fucking psychos. They don't have normal emotions or feelings. Yeah. Clearly after what oh they've my God, done like to human beings. And the torture element makes me think mm. you you don't care. Like you just you can't, don't care. You can't have You're any not- regard for human life if that's how you treat living being exactly and it's not like you know you have those cases where there's an unsolved murder and it seems more like something accidental happened Mm. like Mm -hmm. something went awry Mm. and then they're covering it up and they're not saying anything because they don't want it connected to them but that kind of thing i could imagine a deathbed confession like it was me i did it you know like maybe the person didn't want it to happen and it Mm. just happened um but with this it's like you clearly were out to cause maximum pain for a human being which I can't even fathom no it's like I said I've said it before I think in the group about animal cruelty as well like I just don't understand enjoying inflicting pain Mm. on a non-consenting animal human anything like obviously I'm not talking like sexual like fetishes and stuff that's a Mm. whole other thing and if people are consenting it's fine fine. yeah to a degree but (laughs) You know, this is like torture is yeah. different. It's like you want that person mm. to suffer mm. and you, like it's like the toy box murders. I can't – I actually can't listen to it because I just – it yeah. really upsets me. Torture, and, yeah. Um, and I think there's nothing more horrific than someone dying after being tortured or yeah. after experiencing such horrible pain and yeah. like helplessness. I just – like it's a specific – 
type of fucked up psychopathic murderer. Yeah. I feel so sorry for Richard Kelvin's family yeah. knowing that he was held for that long and yeah. he was alive somewhere. And how would you and, be when you knew it were your kid? Yeah. Like it's not like you can even pretend that maybe they were mm. – like sometimes, Nothing good was happening for that five weeks. Exactly. Sometimes it's a small mercy when they died quickly well, or – Yeah, or like you know how we always talk about how it's shit if – you don't get closure. Yes, so you don't find the body. Sometimes I'm like, maybe if it's such a horrific case like that, mm. it's almost better not knowing. Yeah. Because if you knew, like, that it must have been horrific for his parents, his yep. family, yep. his friends, mm-hmm. knowing, like, my friend, my son, my, you know, yep. brother, or whatever, died. Mm. After five weeks of being tortured yeah. and and I was a, alive, living my life while he was somewhere like that is a yeah. horrible thing to carry around in yeah, your life. I awful. really hate that people had to do that and yeah. they have to do that all the time in yeah. this world. Yeah, like a, the others. I mean, they don't know about Peter, the fourteen-year-old, because his body was burned, um, and he was found like a while after it went yeah. missing. So they're not sure. Like he could have been also tortured, but yeah. the others, it was kind of like a couple of days. Yeah. They could, you know, investigate forensically and be like, he died on this day. Um, so Peter, they don't know. So for his family probably wondering. That's you know. true. And then that's it. It's like then I guess I suppose if you know other murders yep. in the collection that are likely connected yeah. happened this way, you yeah. probably were left wondering. I don't know. I mean, nothing's good, is it? Like there's no, no. good scenario for the – families of victims no either way you look at it it's just awful it's a horrible horrible case it is i mean it's like a super interesting case in the sense of like this the way society was at the time Mm. the fact that there's all these people that are likely connected but they can't pin it on them and they're very high up in society and yeah you know i think all of that is really interesting yeah there's that zesty like secret Secret underworldy kind of thing, which is scary because it's it terrifying. made me think like how many people are walking around in that kind of weird ring. Well, like it's a like, pedophile ring. Yeah. Or, so there's one. Oh, I'm, somebody told me this really fucked up story that is likely a bit of an urban legend, mm-hmm. but is still terrifying nonetheless. It's and not it's, the guy who got the skin condition. No, it's not that one. That's that's bullshit. which we that's deleted ridiculous. from the group. But I used to believe that fifteen one times. Percent used to believe that, but <laughs> no, it was that there was like a there's like this high up child pedophile ring in yes. Hollywood, and yes, Harvey Weinstein yes. was connected to it, but he was like a low tier situation, so they threw him to the dogs. Brian Singer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't remember any other names in there. He's, he's just... the X Men director. Ah, uh, right. And he did Bohemian Rhapsody, and he's like had like people accuse like young boys right. accuse him of. And remember the Corys? Yes, one of the Corys. Corey Heim. I think it was Corey Heim was saying, or had said, whichever one's still alive had said the one that died had confided in him that he'd been abused as a child yes, by like yes, high ranking I remember that, yeah. people in Hollywood. And then his family were like, no, that's made up. Well, this is what I mean. Like it's weird there. and it's like, I guess it's even like, you know, Taken, the film. Yes, yeah. Like that, 
I mean, obviously that is a little bit of a beat up as well. Like that. Yeah. Just, like I know it happens to people, but it usually happens more in the way of somebody's offered a job and the job's fake mm. and they have no option but to take it. And it's actually yeah. really sad because it happens a lot with like lower socioeconomic. Yes. They're not so sit- much where they don't have from the options airport. and they sort of have to. Yeah. It's yeah. more of a duped yes. situation. Yeah. But that is very real that there sex are these trafficking. sex trafficking yeah. rings and it's all secret mm. and there are people that are like in prominent positions yeah. in society that are completely involved in it and it's really frightening cover ups it's terrifying and you don't have to dig down far like no not at find. all and then it's just seemingly impossible to end yeah because of how wide the web yep. stretches you can't like yes yeah, it's horrific the, yeah it's horrible it's like when you go traveling and you see those signs about sex trafficking mm-hmm. or child trafficking mm-hmm. and it's like you know if a child looks it looks like a weird like there's all these kind of signs like on planes being mm-hmm. like look out for you know people that look kids that look upset or are like there's a clearly like some not sort of there's issue. a weird relationship yeah. mm. um and someone like wrote remember there was that story and the kid wrote something on a napkin or oh yeah someone on a plane helped this kid yes like yes. gave it to the flight attendant and they like arrested the person and it was all really full on but it, how scary it's like you'd think it's just in the movies or like you're saying taken but mm. this is like this happened to real people and it really was existing in adelaide at the time yeah and probably was the only city where all this shit was going down god no it's really awful and i just hate that they got away with it yeah at least they got one of them. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. At least, at least somebody and was they caught. I think evidently stopped it. after that. They were yes. kind of scared. Yes. Or they just got better at hiding bodies. No, I, I, I reckon they, they would have stopped. I think that. I think that. It. Yeah. I mean, good job for the police for catching that guy, yeah. and also for the legal team to just like yeah. nail him because. Yeah. I think that would have stopped the. Yes. Series of murders. Yeah. Yeah, um, maybe he was the ringleader or whatever. You don't know. Or even just that, that like you said, they got scared that mm. was too close a call and that he had too much to lose. And they and knew they were getting looked at and yeah. the police were probably following them around, waiting for them to slip yeah. up and do something they could actually nail them for. And I feel like, you know, with murderers, like there's that trend of they are almost wanting to get caught, like the risk of getting caught mm. but not actually getting caught and maybe it was just too close a call. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, I just fucking wish that there was ways to, A, connect potentially mm-hmm. Von Watsy Einem. Einem to the other murders. Yeah. Given that they seem quite similar. Yeah. And, B, that, you know, mm. all of them. I mean, that's a perfect world, isn't it, that all of them could get yeah. caught. But at least they got one, I suppose. Yeah. And hopefully maybe one day we'll know. Mm. I hope so. Yeah. It's a very bleak ending. I mean, sometimes it's bleak. It's murder. Sometimes leaf, leaf, leaf is bleak. Leaf mm-hmm. is bleak. Life, I meant to say. Life, life is, is bleak. bleak. And they went into an Irish accent for some reason. Um, on that note. Bye. Bye.